Welcome to Ticket Bud Tidbits. We're here to bring you tips, advice and insights from fellow event organisers across a wide range of events that we work with. My name's Lisa Carson and I'm the Content Marketing Manager here at TicketBud. You may have noticed I have an accent. I am an Aussie and a recent import to Austin and I'm new to the TicketBud team. Kayan Amaldi, our TicketBud CEO, is also joining us today. Hello. And we're here today with Deidre Sibla, hey. who is going to talk to us about all things ticketing. We've interviewed Deidre a couple of years ago for our very first podcast, and if you haven't heard that before, you can check that out later. Deidre has a huge amount of experience in ticketing for large events, from holiday festivals to major stadium tours for the likes of Beyonce and other big-name performers. Feel give, us, give us some, some big-name name drops. <laughs> Coldplay, One Direction, Roger Waters, Jay-Z. Nice. Well, welcome to the podcast, Deidre. Uh, so for those um, who haven't listened, listened to the previous podcast, please tell our listeners a bit about your professional experience in the ticketing industry. Well, hey, thanks for having me back. Um, ticketing tidbits is so cute. I love it. Ticket by tidbits. Yeah, thanks. So little little backstory about me. I'm from Ohio and doubled in music and business at a school in Cleveland, C-Town. And I got an internship at a venue in Cleveland and just kind of fell into the box office when I was still in college and work shows and then ended up becoming the box office manager at that venue in Cleveland and then worked in the box office at another bigger venue in Cleveland and did that. Um, at is, the, it, is it true that Cleveland rocks? Cleveland does rock. I've heard yeah. Cleveland rocks. <laughs> yeah, so at the time it was individual promoters um, that have since now become what we all know as Live Nation today. So I went through the myriad of changing from just a small local promoter that ran the venue in Cleveland to then becoming Clear Channel Entertainment, then SFX, then Live Nation. With Live Nation brought me some other opportunities and I went to Phoenix and was the box office manager at a 22,000 seat amphitheater there for a few years. Then from Phoenix, I moved out to the Live Nation corporate touring office in Beverly Hills, California, and was the senior national director of ticketing for touring in North America. Exactly. Very big title. Um, and it was a lot of fun. So like Lisa said, got to work on um, the arenas and stadium side of tours. So when Justin Timberlake goes out on tour, I would help do all the ticketing for all of those events. Uh, was with Live Nation for a total of 13 years formally since they were Live Nation. Left there in 2013 to come to Austin and worked for C3 Presents, which is more of a festival ticketing company and ran festivals such as Austin City Limits here in town, Lollapalooza in Chicago and South America, and a lot of other festivals, the NFL Draft in Chicago a few years doing ticketing and credentials. So in 2016, I resigned from C3 and went out on my own and said, hey, I can do this uh, with other event organizers, which has led me here now. So right now I'm just an independent contractor out there hustling. Quick plug for Deidre. I've worked with her uh, on the ticketing side for, you know, 400,000 person attendee uh, events, festivals. If you're a festival out there looking for a ticketing director, established, new, whatever it is, give us a shout out. We're happy to provide an intro to Deidre. We Definitely, definitely have a great working relationship and recommend her. Uh, but Deidre, just giving you the, the plug there. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, so so I'm a testament of, you know, that career ascension started as an intern and, and now here I am with a 20 plus year career. So. Thank you. 
Um, so we're going to start with uh, on a personal note and ask you a bit about, seeing we're talking about events, we want to ask you about a favourite event that you've attended and what you loved about it. So I really had to think about this because I've gotten very spoiled over the years and in all the cities that I've lived in. Um, and I gotta be honest, I don't buy all of my tickets all the time. <laughs> perks of the perks of the job. But um, one of the things that comes to mind is a Los Angeles Kings game. Back on June 11th, 2012, was the Stanley Cup Finals. And I was living in LA and that is an event where I did the whole ticketing shebang-a-bang experience. From start to finish. You did the ticketing for the for the Kings? No, 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 no. I did it, meaning I was a, a person that bought a ticket. The consumer experience. Yes, yes, the consumer experience. So purchased a ticket online through the Staples Center. Um, the ticket was emailed to me. Then the day of, or maybe the day before, the Kings and Staples Center sent a, hey, here's tips about coming to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, parking, you know, as I'm driving down to Staples Center, there's I'm passing parking lots that I'm, I'm not kidding were $100, you know, to park anywhere near the Staples Center. So Staples was and the Kings were really good about sending out. This is where we recommend that you should park because it's near this entrance, which you should come in, which is near your seat, which is here. So it was very customized and tailored messaging to help make my experience wonderful. Also some street closure information because there's a fan fest going on, you know, for the Stanley Cup finals. And so that was great. And that kind of ties into the ticketing part because us in the ticketing office provides the data to the marketing department who customizes those emails who helped make my experience good before I even got to the Staples Center. So then I get there and I'm ready to walk in and I forgot my ticket at home. <laughs> so I go to the box office and a girl, a friend of mine in the industry was working and um, gave me plenty of heat for forgetting my ticket at home. But my experience at the box office was great. Was able to get a reprint. Um, I go into the event, go to my seat. Scanning was a breeze. And the best part of the story, we brought the Stanley Cup home that night. Got to see it with my own eyes, covered in confetti. It was awesome. So that was an experience where not only was the end result and, and the event and what I was going to was awesome because that's why people come, right? Because of the event. They're not coming to one of our gigs for the ticketing experience. But that was one where everything was great. And I, I did the full gamut, like I said, buying a ticket, forgetting the ticket, and getting to the where the product was awesome, which is that golden or silver Stanley Cup, not golden. <laughs> anyway, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. That sounds great. Uh, we've got the whole picture there. Um, so, so much has happened in the event space since you were last on our podcast about two years ago. Um, so TicketBud has evolved a lot um, with a lot of updates since then. One of our new products um, is the rollout of Event Protect, which we um, implemented with you and Austin's Trail of Lights last year. So we can chat about that a little bit more in a minute. Uh, Deirdre currently works as the Austin Trail of Lights ticketing director and I got to experience my first Trail of Lights festival last year and I absolutely loved it. It was great to get to enjoy an Austin uh, holiday tradition and a cold Christmas which is a very new thing for me. I'm used to barbecues and sunshine so <laughs> that was great. Um, Deirdre can you tell us uh, like describe the Austin Trail of Lights uh, festival for people who are not from Austin and haven't been before? 
Sure. Well, if you are from Austin, get down to the Trail of Lights. And if you're in the area, come. The Austin Trail of Lights is about uh, anywhere from 14 to 16, 17 days of a holiday light experience at beautiful Zilker Park, which is in downtown Austin. And it is a experience with 2 million lights and it's a 1.25 mile walk. So you walk through it. We're going on the 55th year of this event. It's been a tradition in our town for a long time. And with the growing of the event, we have now grown our ticket opportunities. So it involves anything from a ticketed admission ticket to purchasing your parking pass online in advance. We have a shuttle operation that runs from two different locations in town. So you buy a ticket for the shuttle through Ticketbud, hop on the shuttle, come down to the park. We have an extensive holiday party and corporate party program uh, and hospitality efforts where organizations are sharing their holidays and their company parties with us for the year, month of December. And we also have some premium ticket opportunities such as a platinum program and a, what we call a zip pass, which is our early entry program. And all of those are ticketed through Ticketbox. I mean, this event has really evolved quite a bit. and. At this point, I think it's ranked either the first or the second largest event in the city of Austin by attendance, 400,000 people, and not just, I mean, it's a great event and not just a great event for the city, but it's really kind of best in breed of these holiday family-friendly events that we're seeing come up across the country, and we've uh, really enjoyed working with Deidre and the production company and the Trail Foundation to bring this event back to, to glory because it wasn't always... You know, it wasn't always this complex. The population wasn't always this big. The the offering wasn't always this robust. But we have something really, really cool. And it really does a great job of servicing the, the Austin community. When you have your friends in town, your in-laws, whatever it is, what are you going to do? Trail lights. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a free event that you drove through. So someone is, you know, spending five minutes in a car zipping through the park. And now we're seeing guests average two hours at the event. So. Excellent. Um, so as I mentioned before, TicketBud event organisers can now um, opt in for EventProtect's comprehensive ticket revenue protection. So this coverage gets built into the price of the ticket and protects the full value of the ticket transaction. And I believe TicketBud is the first to partner with EventProtect in the US. Um, organisers have a lot of uh, costs leading up to an event from venue fees set up and vendor costs. So EventProtect is about minimising that financial risk for organisers if their event gets cancelled unexpectedly. Um, an event can be cancelled for all kinds of reasons, from flooding to strong winds. We've even heard things about cancellation caused by squirrels, squirrels uh, chewing through electrical wires. I'm not, I'm not used to squirrels. <laughs> but yeah, they do that apparently. Um, it's like a wallaby. <laughs> so, um, Deidre, do you have any stories about like unexpected reasons an event had to be cancelled? Well, before, before you, I'm going to jump in real quick, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about Event Protect and, and how it came to be for Austin Trail of Lights. We've been working with you guys for, for several years, and one of the major challenges for your event, it's in December, it's outside, it's 14 days, or you know up to 17, depending on how the 25th falls. And one of the challenges is, you know, what happens if on a Saturday night you get four inches of rain and the grounds are flooded? Or, you know, what happens if, if something else out of your control, you know, nature, weather, whatever, causes a, a closure for a night? 
in the past, we've done a pretty good job of, of informing customers about a cancellation or shifting, you know, your, your Saturday's ticket to a Thursday. But a lot of the people that, that purchased a ticket on Saturday can't come on a Thursday to make it up. And so what do you do in a no refund situation where you've sold that inventory and you're also cannibalizing inventory for the next day because you have caps on certain, you know, VIP or parking tickets, something like that, where there's only so much inventory available. So we spent a lot of time looking for what are some innovative solutions is it messaging is it you know flexibility and pricing and we we spent a lot of time figuring this out and we came across event protect they're out of the uk they specialize in a protection product not just for the event organizer but for the ticket holder if the event gets canceled and not canceled for any reason but canceled for a qualifying reason like the grounds are unsafe because of heavy rain and flooding uh, you know, if a squirrel chews through an electrical line and the, the show goes down because you can't produce the show anymore, um, they provide a full refund to the ticket holder and the event organizer gets to hold on to the ticket revenue so they're not, you know, in, in financial jeopardy uh, because of the refund. And it really enhance the consumer experience because you know people are buying tickets months in advance they don't know if it's going to be bad weather you know they don't know if it's going to be high winds and so it takes some of the risk out of both the the event organizer and the ticket buyer and we wanted to bring you in specifically to talk about this because you guys were the first big event that we piloted this with and we you know we encourage other event organizers to use it as well but we want to to hear it from the event organizer's perspective you know how did it work what did you think about it and so i wanted to uh, really kind of frame the conversation about uh you know just cancellations in general that we're seeing across the board but but how this product uh improved the event for you and for for the patrons of austin trail lights so there's a lot of different insurance opportunities out there um, that you'll see when you're purchasing tickets through different ticketing companies. A lot of them are opt-ins, and some of them have a considerable fee associated with it. What was great about Event Protect is that it was very seamless from the customer side. It's just included with the ticketing transaction. It's automatically included and very minimal cost to the guest. Another great feature about it is that it can supplement your standard organizer event insurance. So where you're getting your insurance for any structural damage, you can also have this for any ticket revenue damage as well. So you're not competing with general event insurance and your ticket protection insurance. We had to cancel one of the days of this year in 2018 due to high winds at the direction of the parks and the city. Yeah, I remember that. We was like... It was 5.30, the, the event go, like opens at 6, and at like 5.45, it was like 50 mile an hour winds, and tents were being blown, like big tents, like, you know. Like the box. Yeah, the box office was being blown across the park. Yeah, so it came out of nowhere. It went from being, boy, it's breezy, to the box office is now in the middle of the road. And and otherwise, it was like a perfect bluebird day, like gorgeous outside, yeah. decent temperatures. Yeah. I mean, you guys had sold like 5,000 tickets in the last 30 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And people are standing there with their tickets waiting for us to open at 6. And meanwhile, trusses are falling over, tents are blowing over. It was very unsafe conditions for the patrons as well for staff. And you got to make a game time decision. And that's where Event Protect and TicketBud came in. And it was great. The city officials uh, decided to close the park due to the high winds. And our ticket purchasers were protected and we didn't have any worries. 
We provided some supporting documents from the city regarding closures, provided our press release statement to Event Protect. I sent along some pictures, mostly for entertainment purposes, so Kahan can see <laughs> the tent upside down in Barton Springs Road with the Ticket Bud logo on it. Um, but also just for some backup to Event Protect, should they require, require it, like this is what's going down at the park right now, and this is why we're canceling the event. And from there, it was very easy for ticket purchasers to get their money back, and the event didn't lose any revenue from those ticket sales. Ticket Bud, actually, I'm gonna say I, I don't know what Ticket Bud did in Event Protect because I never had to do anything else from the organizer's standpoint. So we provided the documentation, y'all stepped in, and then Event Protect stepped in from there, and it was a very seamless process from what I understand. Uh, just notify the ticket buyers, give them their money back, we're moving on to the next night. Yeah, it was it was pretty seamless from from the ticketing platform from TicketBud's perspective. You guys, you know, obviously provided all the necessary documentation. It it fell under the coverage of the Event Protect program. We provided the documentation to Event Protect. They kicked on everything in their end to start the process. We got messaging out to customers within, I think it was like 24 hours, less than that maybe. And then, you know, some customers asked, hey, can we exchange our tickets? And we honored that with, you know, along with you guys. Majority of the customers just got our refund and repurchased for a night that made sense for them, you know. And we're talking about thousands of people. You know, the one of the challenges with trying to just manage transitioning one day to another is everyone has, you know, different needs and, and different days. And they bought five tickets for this day, but they only need four tickets for the next day. So a product like Event Protect, it's just you you send out the message and the refunds start the process flow on their own. It's not something that's super, super manual. So that was a huge help for us. I mean, we had years where we had like four canceled days during a run of show and it was really, really hard to transition that much inventory. Yeah, it's yeah. this year made it very black and white. And when we get into the event like the trail or if you have another holiday centric event with people's travel schedules and hey, I'm leaving town or my family's only in town for this date, when you start to shell game some of that inventory and tickets, that's where it gets hard. But with Event Protect, it was, we're gonna wipe the slate clean and you can start from scratch and you come on another night that's convenient for you instead of us having to tailor requests for each person. So um, other than you know high winds blowing tents upside down and relocating things, I was just wondering um, about other unexpected reasons why events have had to be canceled that you've come across. Sure. Well, Force Majeure and uh, Mother Nature are... Let's explain that one to some of our listeners. Force Majeure, if you're unfamiliar, it's a, it's a France. It's France? Yeah. Francais? Francais. For Act of God? Yep. Out of your control, shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a, a lot of that includes weather, high winds, rain, hail... Um, flooding conditions. I think what what gets challenging is the days where it's gorgeous and Yes, it rained overnight or it rained the previous day And now the skies have cleared and the Sun is out and what do you mean the event is canceled? It's a beautiful day. Well, what they don't know is That your lighting displays are underwater and it's unsafe and we're dealing with electricity or the entrance is completely muddy and if you want to do a tough mutter run to get through the gate then by all means but so that's where it starts to get hard and in addition like if you're having an event in a 
like a public park, the park foundation doesn't want people on, even if there's like two inches of standing water, they don't want to put 10,000 bodies across that standing water because it's going to destroy the park. And now the park is out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in remediation when really what they needed to do was say like, hey, we get, this water has to drain before you bring patrons back to exactly. the park. You have to consider your conditions and the safety and longevity of the park and the structures that you're using. Yeah. Now, other than uh, weather and things like that, what other sort of unexpected challenges have you had to deal with when you're managing an event? Sure. Some other non-weather things uh, can include artist illness. You know, if you're dealing a concert and the artist is sick or too hammered to perform. I've been in those situations too, where you start out with a song or two and there goes the lead singer falling into the drum kit and you're calling it a day. also some other challenges, particularly in the festival world, not at the Trail of Lights, but some other events I do are fence jumpers or people that are going to rush the gates and say, nope, we're not paying for a ticket. We're just going to hop the fence and sneak in or find some find a hole or something. That's always a challenge. Um, what do you do with that if someone just like tries to breeze past the front gate and go through? Like, What's the sort of policy? Send security after them? Yep. Yep, security will have a field day with that. Um, Yeah, a challenge in in this day and age are firearms. Uh, You know, in Texas, we have open carry, and so obviously you can't do that at the event. So being at the front gates where it falls under the ticketing uh, responsibilities, you know, we have to be on the lookout with security for firearms. Yeah, people don't realize that as a ticketing director, you're the first thing that a customer experiences. It's the first thing they experience online when they're buying the ticket. It's the first thing that the customer experiences when they get to the gate. Like you were talking about your your Sacramento Kings, Stanley Cup playoffs, and how... Excuse me, Los Angeles. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Los Angeles Kings, <laughs> talking hockey, not basketball here. Um... And how that was all related to ticketing and, you know, ticketing and marketing, they're so closely related today because of digital ticket delivery and digital marketing and digital messaging. So much of what your role is, is the the first thing. It's the customer experience. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. the the end-to-end customer experience. So it's your massive part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that also, and another challenge of that customer experience are any production or technical difficulties. Did you lose internet? Did you lose power? Uh, How can we still scan guests in to make sure the right people are getting in that should be there, others that shouldn't aren't getting in? Uh, Another challenge are the no-shows of staff or staff that come and sneak in the porta potty and are drinking beer, which has happened to me before. You're dealing with cash at the box office, you know, dealing with theft and some things or staff not showing up or being rude to customers. You know, those are challenges as well. Okay. Um, So let's take a step back um, and talk about what goes into uh, putting a large festival like Trail of Lights together. Can you run through us some of the the planning process, I guess? Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the big things is your community buy-in. We're very fortunate at the Trail of Lights that we partner with the city of Austin and the Trail of Lights Foundation and their fantastic partners. The second big thing is a solid ticketing partner, which, again... We got, who might that be? We got a shade in the shade. <laughs> yeah, Ticket Bud's great. So having them buy in with those partners, also a reliable vendor system like your food vendors, your stage setup, everything that goes into that, your marketing team building up a great database, 
and your website and developing some helpful FAQs and customer service program. I think database is huge. I think that especially today as these events are growing and becoming bigger and bigger, they uh, production companies behind events are either acquiring or developing or they are taking um, distressed events and putting resources to bringing those back up. And one of the ways that, I, that we've seen that event production companies have been very successful is by leveraging that database and in making sure that they're segmenting their customers, their VIPs, their early buyers, their late buyers, their general admission guys, and creating the right messaging. But it's, but it's owning that, that database is really, really essential. I've seen a lot of events come and say, hey, we want to... You know, we want to do an email blast and buy a bunch of email lists and send those emails out. But those email lists, like from, from you know, talking with different event producers, those that you buy or source third party tend not to have the best conversion rates because these are customers that are probably getting hundreds of emails a month on these email blasts. You're not getting hyper, hyper targeted in who that customer is. Yeah, you want to make sure you're hitting the right people. And it also helps with some return customer development and loyalty programs. You know, we've been working with Ticketboat on the Trail, I think this will be our fifth year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So going back and looking at that data with you and analyzing, this person started out as a general admission ticket, has graduated to uh, the next level. Can we get them in at the next premium ticket this year? And looking at that data trends and Ticketbud does a great job of providing those analytics. Um, so what are some of the key roles needed uh, in the organizing team to manage a large festival like Trailblaze? Uh, I think you have to have goal-oriented and service-oriented individuals with like mindsets. Like we want to have a great experience from start to finish. Even, you know, your person that's hanging signs around the festival, are just, they're just throwing up signs and zip tails have tails on them and it looks like garbage. Are they putting up the signs? They're straight, they're cutting any tails, like it's nice and crisp and clean. So it really goes with everybody in the organization. You wanna make sure that the aesthetics look are pleasing, everything is safe. Obviously you're up to code, so you have individuals that are knowledgeable of safety concerns, they're knowledgeable about your community, they have good customer service. Social media obviously is huge right now, so having a social media manager that can work on real-time updates because, as we mentioned earlier, there are situations where you need to let someone know right now what's happening. Uh, from my perspective on a ticketing side, um, gate managers, because we have several different entrances, most big large events and festivals do customer service managers and answering all the fun emails. And I think some of the key characteristics, to take your question a little further, like what key characteristics are needed is tell people to check their egos at the door. Like we're all here, we're all on the same team, we all do the same thing. I'm not impressed by what you, you know what I mean? Like, Deidre is not impressed. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, okay, cool, we're, we've all have some experience or we all wouldn't be here. So, you know, let's, Take it down. And just being calm under under pressure uh, because it is a high volume event and in a very limited amount of time, you're getting people in, you're getting people out and making them safe and they're choosing to be there with us. So we wanna have a good disposition. And another thing that's really helpful is having a run of show document for the event. 
Okay, so um, there's a run of shows like a major organizational element, so particularly important for large events and multi-day um, like festivals. For new organizers, can you explain a little bit about what that is and how a ticketing manager contributes to it and what advice you might have for people wanting to create a run of show document? So a run of show document is kind of like your master itinerary Bible for the event. So it starts up all the way to your build schedule this is when we're reporting. This is what time we expect you to be on, on site at the park. This is when porta potties are getting delivered. This is when your tent is being built. You know, all of the operational things that lead up to the day of the event. So everybody that's working on the project knows what to expect. Then when you get, then when you get to event days, what's happening today? You know, five o'clock, doors are opening, 5.30, you know, the music starts. 10 o'clock, we're down, 10.30, we're sweeping the park, just so everyone's on the same page. It's particularly helpful for the ticketing department because we know, as Kehan said, we're the first point of contact. And so we know at the entrances what is happening. What time is Santa going to come? Great, he's gonna be in his house at seven, awesome. We can help answer those questions for people. And then conversely, when somebody's leaving the parking lot at the end of the night, and saying, what time is the street gonna open? That way now the parking lot person knows you can hang a left on Barton Springs at 11. You know, so it just keeps everybody informed because knowledge is power. It also, it also keeps everyone accountable as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, um, so tell us a little bit about the role of ticketing specifically. So what you have to consider when managing ticketing for a large event, and then we can maybe talk about ticket programming as well. Sure. One of the things that I like about ticketing that I think is super cool is it's a good balance of the administrative side and the operational side. So you get to pivot. You're doing administrative planning with ticket scaling, building the events with TicketBud or your organizer, uh, putting customer service documents together, answering customer service, the staffing. Then when you get on site, you, you pivot and transition into more of this operational role. And that's when my work gloves come on and I'm slinging tables and bike rack and setting up and making sure that the guests can get in safely. Is how is this flow going to work? Testing your equipment with the internet, setting up logins, uh, helping with the ticketing uh, portion going back to like website navigation like collaborating with your web developer like how is the guest getting to the ticket purchase page now that they're on the ticket bud page working with them on how is the best purchase flow going to happen what type of confirmation do they receive purchase flow huge yeah. huge in the last year and a half we've seen you know a year and a half two years ago 60, 70, 80% of tickets were bought on desktop. In the last six months, we've seen the shift go from 70 to 80% purchasing mobile. Mm -hmm. You know, huge change in consumer behavior. And how are the ticket orientation displayed digitally? You know, how, how are we optimizing for that? It's, it's something that you have to work really closely with your, for, for me, I have to work really closely with my event organizers to understand and see trends year over year so that we can constantly improve, constantly roll out new interfaces and updates. And, you know, I don't want to harp on that too much, but, you know, you, you have to think about that customer experience and that customer journey, not just on site, but that, that digital experience. Mm -hmm. And the volume expectations and the load. Is the site going to crash if everybody buys a ticket? For the Trail of Lights in particular, we do a lot of advanced sales, but the majority are day of. 
what am I going to do tonight? As, uh, particularly when it comes to our transportation options, such as parking and the shuttle passes. I would say that most family-centric events, if you're looking at an average ticket below $20, those are day of decisions. I mean, if you're a, a, a family of five and you have you know, a husband or a wife and three kids, you, you don't know two months down the line if there's going to be a kid with the flu or, you know, and, and it, there's just so many variables. And so with these types of high volume, family friendly, low ticket price events, relatively low ticket price events, that that's happening. That decision, whether you're going or not, is weather dependent. It is, you know, schedule dependent. It's health dependent. And They're so behavior dependent. Behavior dependent. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. And so you have to you have to look at your your ticket inventories and you have to look at historicals and, and get an understanding of, all right, we, you know, it, it's, it's noon, we have six hours till the gate opens, and we know that we typically are going to sell 60% more ticket sales in the next six hours if conditions are good or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Or if you're sold out, you know, make sure that you have the staff on hand to handle that, that giant volume at the gate. So the other thing I was going to follow up and ask you about was uh, the importance of ticket programming. So things like early bird sales, VIP experiences, tiered parking, which we've sort of mentioned before, and how that helps you maximize sale with sales with different audiences. Sure. We want to try to incentivize people to purchase early as possible. You know, obvious reasons. Get that paper. But also, it helps you plan operationally. Uh, you have an idea and it creates buzz for your event. Like there's nothing better than that word of mouth. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm going to the Trail of Lights. Oh dang, I wanna go too. Get on mobile optimized version of TicketBud. You have your tickets. Next thing you know, you're caroling through the park with some hot chocolate. So that is great. And you get your early bird pre-sales, which comes back from your repeat buyers, your VIP experiences, parking for us, in this event in particular is a limited asset that we have so we really encourage people to purchase parking in advance and i think a lot of organizations can do the same thing there as well and it helps manage guest expectations so that they know what they're getting into and it helps us be able to communicate with them and and say this is what you're going to expect tonight these are the streets that are going to be closed you know it goes back to that king story and we can help tailor their event experience better if people do purchase early. Yeah, and for other event organizers out there, you know, everyone has a different relationship with the venue that they utilize. Some people own their venue and parking is unlimited. Some people, you know, have to contract with a venue or contract with a city-owned property and parking is limited. And so how does your ticket programming reflect that? You you know, are, are you offering shuttles? Are you offering parking incentives? And there's events here in Austin that you have to drive 20 miles to get to. And once you get there, uh, you have to pay a $15 parking cover in addition to whatever tickets you bought. And if you're not aware of that, that's, you know, that might be a pain point. That might uh, be something that if you're conditioned year over year, you understand. But is that something that you can message ahead of time? And you know, appropriately message that to your patrons and potentially capture revenue from that. Okay, so uh, let's move on to um, event day, which we talked about a little bit, but I want to sort of hear about the event day logistics for a large holiday festival. So there's 
so many things to consider, managing multiple entrances, lines, setting all that up, ticket scanning, point of sale. Can you walk us through what your like event day looks like with starting the setup? Absolutely. Well, the first thing I do is decide what fun and funky Christmas sweater I'm going to wear that day. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, then I usually start with just assessing the picture. What are our current sales are like? What is the weather going to be today? I'll send out a update to everybody in the organization. Here's where we are with ticket sales. Kehan and I are constantly talking uh, about the weather, what our inventory levels are, chatting with the city and other park officials regarding park conditions. Did it rain overnight? Did anything happen overnight? Are we full operating just a standard rinse and repeat? Uh, so kind of getting a mental picture of what is the day going to bring before then we get on site. Once we get on site, looking at what's offered that day. Some events might have two gates open on one night, one gate only open on another night. With our event and some of the corporate holiday parties that come, a different organization comes in a different gate or a different tent every night. So we're changing out signage. We're reconfiguring bike rack to make different cues based on the expected amount of guests. At what entrance? Are we selling tickets tonight at the box office? We'll prepare cash banks, briefing security, and the event staff when they come in, positioning staff at each particular location, as well as setting up our point of sale. TicketBud does a great job supporting logins per day so that we can track all of the sales and make it really easy for the box office to reconcile our sales data because they give us an, a different login per day, per location, so I can specifically say, Jennifer at the shuttles sold 100 tickets. And that's that's actually something that has come up in conversation with other multi-day events that we work with, where they previously had one event page that sold tickets and you can buy a ticket and show up any day and redeem that ticket. And this is like a you know a multi-day show, a three-week show. And what we try to say is best practice and direct is, hey, create an event page for every day of your show because you might have a specific day that is incentivizing the local schools. You might have a specific day with different staff. And if you really want to develop your event year over year and you want this to grow, you need to look at data on a daily basis and understand trends. Weekend sales versus Friday sales versus, you know, these types of sales when weather is looking good, these types of sales when weather is looking bad. You have to have that digital interface that's breaking down sales by day. Yeah, and we rely on the historical data from TicketBud as well. It was Wednesday last year. Today's Wednesday. What did we do? And another key component is that starts with the morning is the customer service feedback. You know, going to our socials and going to the Zendesk and seeing what comments have come in overnight. You know, was someone upset about something? Did something super awesome happen? And just continuously improving the experience each night based off of the feedback that we receive. We're very fortunate with the long running events where you can constantly make tweaks and make sure that you address concerns throughout. 
Uh, one thing is I was going to ask, because I got to work on the door of yeah. Trail of Lights this year, which was good. Um, and it's, it is a very high volume event with a lot of people all coming in at once. And so having good communication is really important so that everyone knows their role and what they need to do in certain situations. So I was wondering if you could share a bit about how you ensure everyone's on the same page at, at that entrance point. Sure. Different gates. I think pre-event, before you even get to the event day, just developing a solid operational plan for the event as a whole and then departmentalizing. Like we will have a big operation plan for the entire event and then I'll also make one specifically for the box office and customer service. And this is what you should expect on site from the ticketing and gate operations. Also pre-event is having emergency preparedness plan, not only for the weather and force majeure things that we talked about earlier, Sadly, we live in a day and age where there are some violent threats that are imminent, so we have to be prepared for those things. What are we going to do in that situation? What is a point of safety for our guests, for our staff? What measures can we take? Is it a road closure? Is it police presence? What can we do? So planning those things in advance. When you get to event days, having a pre-event meeting with your entire team, like an all staff meeting with your managers. You know, we do this 17 days in a row and some days are very similar and you're just on Groundhog Day and you're like, okay, here we go, Merry Christmas and you move on. But then every day, some, you know, sometimes there's a new corporate party coming or like I've said, the, this gate is open, this gate is closed or oh no, this area of the park received some damage last night. So this particular activation is off limits. So getting everybody on the same page from a managerial standpoint, and then taking that a step further with your respective departments. So when my ticketing and gate staff and scanning team arrives, we always do a pre-show huddle on what to expect, what do the credentials look like this day, uh, what day is it, because you start to forget what day it is. Uh, you know, today's Thursday, it's the 17th, and, and having some fun with it and just quick, quick quick huddle and also you've got like volunteers and some people working different days or this might be their first day even though other people have worked many days so like me I worked what you know one day so it was I needed to hear all that information fresh so so that's good yeah it's great okay so um so what was a little bit about TicketBud but what do you honestly look for when choosing a ticketing partner so why why was TicketBud able to help sure so I've done some RFPs over the year and uh, TicketBud's great a few things that you want to look for when selecting your ticketing company is, are they going to be your partner or are they just going to be a conduit that just sells tickets and that's it? Your ticket bud's awesome. As I mentioned, Kehan and I probably talk every day when we get into the trail, several times a day. At least 10 times a day. Yeah, in the morning, uh, in the She's afternoon, so about text, at night, you know, it's great. Kehan and the ticketing team are always available. But it's not just me. It's, you know, it's, it's all departments. Are you, you know, do you have a good relationship with customer service, with marketing? I mean, here we are sitting down doing a podcast. It's, you know, at least for us, we try to really engage with our event organizers and try to bring as much value as possible because, you know, ticketing is, is somewhat commoditized. There's a lot of providers out there. How can your ticketing provider help you beyond just saying like, oh, yeah, we're going to sell your tickets. No big deal. right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you're absolutely right. And part of that is ongoing customer support. Your customer service team is fantastic. And I've done customer service for years. It's not easy. It's hard. So having a supportive customer service team and a platform such as Zendesk or another 
software to manage your customer support, your marketing support. What is your ticketing company bring to the table? You know, what database do they have that can supplement your event database? What is their refund cancellation policy? You know, such as Event Protect, that's definitely something that sets TicketBud apart, which I think is very important for outdoor holiday events that have adverse weather to look out for. Is your ticketing company mobile optimized? TicketBud's great in that respect. Sometimes we see lines at events and we can go over and canvas the line and say, hey, don't wait to pay your admission with a, a live person. You can do it on your phone right now and then come into this entrance. And so that quick mobile optimization with TicketBud is fantastic and allows us to do that. What's the reporting like? Is TicketBud is great. They give us reporting on the year over year data, where are your people coming from? What are their zip codes? Are you finding that the guests are local to your area? Are they coming from the state? Are they coming from around? Like, what is that reporting looking like? What's your scanning reporting so you can track the attendance behavior? When are your peak load times? When are your peak purchase times? What are people buying their ticket? And what ticket are they buying? I think, I think peak load is uh, a statistic that event organizers underutilize. I mean, it's, it's great to understand what the buying behavior is, but on-site are 90% of your patrons coming in the first 35 minutes of your five-hour show? Are, the, are they equally distributed, like, you know, 20% every hour for the next five hours? Mm-hmm. You know? Another great thing to look for with your ticketing provider is that purchase flow that we touched on. How easy is it for someone to purchase a ticket? Do they have to create an account or not? If they do create an account, is their information stored and it's just a one-click situation? Like, yes, I want to go. Also, if you're running a multi-day event or a series, how easy is it to purchase tickets for different events? And how difficult is it to purchase something for the wrong event, right? Like, you want it to be hard for someone to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. You don't want that to, to happen easily. Uh, also, what are, do they have unlimited ticket types to, su- type, to support the type of program that you're doing? Multiple offerings, multiple days, parking, or are they limited in what they can provide? We've, we've actually seen in our industry different ticketing platforms starting to charge for offering more than one or more than three ticket types. You know, it's like these tiered pricing schemes like, oh, you want to sell... 100 different types of tickets, that's a whole different package. That's a whole different pricing package. And that, that, that happens. You know, that's real. Yeah. Which is not really realistic because, you know, we were talking before, you need programming. You need different types of tickets. You want to do early birds. So the minute you want to do an early bird sale, that's more than one ticket type anyway. Sure. Not, many, not many events are going to have just a general admission ticket. Or with a family-oriented event, are you getting into four-packs, six-packs, something that includes parking, something that now includes... Tickets, admission, hot chocolate, or, you know, some other type of skip the line to ride the Ferris wheel type of package. You know, you can really start to go buck wild if you have the functionality to do so. Also, like, do they have the opportunity to do promotional codes or access codes for your sponsors or some of your internal opportunities? Oftentimes we focus on the customer service, or excuse me, the customer experience from a consumer standpoint but there's a lot of internal operations that go into ticketing as well when credentialing your staff helping provide tickets to your media partners your marketing partners radio giveaways sponsors 
and other internal operations. Yeah. So what does the guest list management system look like? How easy is it to send a ticket to someone directly if you need to? Or you do a group sale internally and now I need to process a check for 100 people. How easy are those type of opportunities and those ticket transactions? What does the custom tickets look like? With all of those different opportunities comes different communication. And TicketBud's awesome in that we can not only customize the text that's on each ticket, but also put some custom images on there. So if you purchase this ticket, you're gonna go in this entrance and here's your map that correlates to that. Also in conjunction with that, we can easily communicate with just that ticket buyer. So if everybody that purchased a parking pass, now we can say, hey, oops, there's a crash on this exit, we recommend you take this exit and we can easily email those people through the TicketBud app. And it's part of that custom ticket. What other events have they done? You know, getting information and feedback from your peers in the industry. If you're considering a few different ticket companies, like I know they do this event, hey, what do you guys think of them? Have you been supported? Do you like them? What do you like? Also some hardware functionality, like are they providing hardware for you? Do you need to go out and buy scanners and equipment? Are they going to provide that equipment for you? What is the offline functionality with that equipment when you get into the squirrel situations and the wind <laughs> and the whatnot? Like, is your equipment going to work? Um, also another thing is the willingness to listen to your feedback as an event organizer, which TicketBud has done fantastic at. We've made some tweaks and some reporting changes and with y'all coming down and scanning on site, you're seeing firsthand the operational experience and the guest experience and saying, wow, now that I'm here and I'm standing here scanning tickets myself, I understand and it would be cool if we could X, Y, Z. It's the, it's the it, it would be cool if, yeah. right? We can sit down and behind code and think about things. But I, I think one of the reasons that we've developed such a good working relationship is we put ourselves in the shoes of the event organizer and we see the challenges. And we can build and optimize not around you know theory, but around practice. And that's been very, very helpful for us in, in developing our roadmaps and you know finding products like Event Protect to roll out. Because when you actually experience the pain point yourself, from the standpoint of the event organizer, not just the ticketing provider, it informs so many, so many product decisions. Yeah, and it shows your dedication to the event organizer and the client and your willingness to learn how your system performs. This has been Tidbits at TicketBud, episode 15, with our absolute favorite, Deidre Sibylla. Deidre, thanks so much for coming in. If you're an event organizer, if you're a festival, if you need an absolute ticketing rock star, please reach out. We're happy to provide an intro to Deidre. She does events all across the U.S., um, everything from you know EDM to festivals to everything in between. Um, awesome. Can't say thank you enough. And hopefully this was beneficial for the event organizers out there listening.